Welcome into episode 50 of the Pegasus Podcast presented by Night Sports Now. I am Bailey Adams and I'm joined as always by Christian Simmons. You can find us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22 at by CA Simmons and go ahead and throw us a follow at Night Sports Now while you're there. Christian, how are you? How uh, how much are you looking forward to spending so much time in a Waffle House or and or eating a bunch of waffles to get out early? All right, so here's the thing. J- just to recap for listeners who may not know what we're talking about, I, over the summer, in my wisdom, declared that if Desmond Ritter finished in the top 10 in Heisman voting, which is an impossibility, I would sit in a <laughs> Waffle House for 24 hours and I could get out an hour early for every waffle I eat. I stole this from someone who did it for a fantasy football league thing over the summer. It was like a viral tweet over the summer at the time we made the bet. Um, Ritter finished eighth. So I am now doing it and I'm going to figure out when we're going to do it sometime after Christmas because I don't have time to do it before. So sometime between Christmas and New Year's, I'm going to sit in the Waffle House for like three hours because I can eat that many waffles. Do you? remember when we when you made that bet i think the original thing you said was like a finalist as he had to be a finalist for you to do that and then you're like no he's not even gonna be top 10 no i never meant that i like misspoke i like like i said finalist at first i was like no no i mean like him getting votes at all (laughs) so i corrected (laughs) makes it even worse well i feel like what i should point out though is i I fully accept i've lost and i'm gonna do it yeah because i'm a man of my word and the issue is he still doesn't deserve it. Like it wasn't no. like it wasn't like the season played out. I'm like, wow, I really underestimated how good Desmer is. He played exactly how I expected him to. It d- just yeah. Heisman voters don't understand what makes the team good. I don't understand yeah. how there's a Cincinnati player in the top ten Heisman voting. And it's not Sauce Gardner. Like how does or, that make sense? Or Kobe Bryant. Or Kobe Bryant. Who it's literally like, won? He won the uh, Jim Thorpe Award over Sauce Gardner. Which that also was a little, yeah, I don't know, uh, I don't a little, know. little suspect. But either way, no, we picked the super inconsistent quarterback who, at oftentimes, is more of a detriment to his team. Who literally, literally, just does enough. A regular liability. He is a game manager at finest. I, I just, it, it is fascinating to me. But whatever, that's what the voters decided. That's what the nine hundred plus Heisman voters and their infinite wisdom, those bloggers and people, decided. So also, also if- five people. Five people put, gave Desmond Ritter a first place vote. That those people should have their Heisman votes just not only stripped, but like destroyed. I don't know how that would work, but like that's no. I want to know who they are. Out yourselves also, on Twitter. I also cowards. want to clarify that I didn't make this bet, so I don't have to go to Waffle House. I, I'm, I, I, you're not going to come visit me? City, well, this is the thing is you're doing it in Orlando, right? So yeah. like I'm probably not going to make another trip to Orlando this calendar year. So, um, you know, what we could like do, you know, what we what? could do, we what? could match it around a, uh, basketball game, like a men's basketball game. And you could come in and stay at my place. Then after I'm done with Waffle House, we go to the basketball game. Are you talking, still talking December or are we talking next year? We could do it later if we had to then in January. All right. We'll talk about it. We'll, right. talk we'll about find a that. time. We'll find a time. Could be, it could be the, the um, well, actually, yeah, we'll get into it. Whatever. It's gonna be um, I'm going to tweet at Gus and be like, Hey, Gus, I'm at Waffle House. If you want to come. <laughs> If you want to come if he, I mean, if he's going to be there, I'll definitely make the trip. Like, I'll drive up there tomorrow. If there. <laughs> You're like, I don't care about you, but if Gus is there, like, <laughs> sign me up. Let's use that as our segue into what we're going to actually talk about uh, to start this podcast, which is early signing day for UCF. Um, and, and first, Thomas Castellanos. Did you know we were saying his name wrong? I did not. So we say Castellanos. It's Castellanos. Yeah. Because Gus said Castellanos in the press conference. And I was like, that's Gus. a weird name for Gus to pronounce his name. <laughs> it seemed it seemed like Gus, I don't know what Gus said because Gus like kind of tripped over it. And I was like, what did he say? But in the video, in the video, uh, like his commitment video or his signing video that Gus from Gus's account, that came from Gus's account. He said and introduced himself as Thomas Castellanos. 
And oh. I had to like run it back like two or three times. So I was like, have I been like, I just assumed it was Castellanos. I don't know why. I didn't I think that's usually how you say it, right? I don't, I don't uh, know. It's his name. So yeah. I mean, I, uh, I'm just saying, unusual, like when usually you see that name, I thought it was Castellanos. But yeah. I'm so totally, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to screw that up now. Like I'm going to have to really remind myself it's Castellanos. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like, um, it, like, wasn't there a thing? Did I make this up where like Daryl Mack's name is really pronounced Daryl Mack? Yeah, I mess that up all the time. And I always say Daryl. I know that's wrong. I just always forget to like, so, you know, we'll just, I kind of just, I trip over that one too. Yeah. So like well, that well, luckily we have like years of prep to get this one right now. So Castellanos, yeah. got it. Yeah. So what we'll do, um, does he, did is, he say Thomas or Tommy out of curiosity? He said Thomas. Thomas. So Tommy Castellanos is now Thomas Castellanos. But his, his like Twitter and Instagram is Tommy underscore Casto or Tommy Casto underscore something like that. So I feel like he doesn't, mind being called tommy i feel i feel like tommy is a cooler quarterback name like how mikey i think mikey's cooler than mike like like <laughs> i don't know if mike Keen mike would have had a good season for ucf but mike also Keen popped off mike Keen is like definitely just more of a pocket passer like your, oh, yeah. your pro oh, style yeah. like boring pro style like and mikey i feel like can, the why is that little bit of dual threat flair that you throw on yeah. there it's like that's yeah. really like, i like it let's say like tom castellanos i hope it doesn't end up as tom castellanos i don't think that name. would be the case yeah i don't know <laughs> I think. Um, there's a lot yeah, of I'll ones we could have been kenzie milton that's uh i don't know if i like that i'll go ahead let's let's run down the class because ucf signed what is currently their best class in program history and will remain so um, yeah i mean i imagine so um so we'll run down the list here and what christian and i are going to do is kind of go back and forth and we're each going to pick three players um and think like basically who we're most excited about and it's kind of turned into this bet that over like the next three years, we'll see whose three players end up having or contributing more or being more productive in their careers at UCF. And we're playing around with what we're betting on right now. Like I know we, we picked something and you're trying to, you're trying to get out of it. No, I'm not trying to get out of it. I just think like, I don't want to commit to something right now. If we, if we get better ideas from our listeners, or if we think of something fun, more fun, what we have currently is that the winner will owe the dinner. Wait, whoa, what? <laughs> the winner, <laughs> the loser will owe the winner dinner at a steakhouse. The steakhouse because, of the winner's choosing. That's yeah. the part that I will add. Within reason. You're getting held up on. What do you mean within, within reason? reason? <laughs> what if I want? What if I win and I want a really nice steak? I'm not taking around you to, steak. I'm not taking you to Ruth's Chris. I'm not taking you to uh, what's the one over here? <laughs> Wait, did you just? Pit? We're gonna skip right past that. I like what? that. You, I just like that. It was like I'm not taking you to some fancy place like Ruth's Chris. <laughs> Well, no, Ruth Chris is just expensive. I've actually never um, been there. Um, steak segue, real quick. How do you like your steak? I always forget the words. Oh, medium, God. medium rare. Okay, that's good. Or medium. No, medium, medium rare. Medium. You like it medium rare? Huh? You like it medium rare because that's when it actually has flavor. I have. I just. This is one of my big pet peeves in life. Is like people ruin steak. Like I know lots of people who like. They're like, oh, how do you like your steak? Oh, like medium well or well done. Which like, that's a synonym for like, how would you like your steak? I would like it to taste like nothing, please. Like I, I it fascinates me. Did that you people see the, did you order see that, like, viral tweet like earlier this week? Are you sent it with to the steak? Yeah. I sent it. Yeah. Of course, I. Yeah, yeah. This is a big thing for me. It was this, yeah. what was it? It's that's not well done. That's congratulations. That's congratulations. Yeah. Because the steak was so overcooked. But I, like, I'll go to like a restaurant with like Sarah, our friend Sarah. Like went to Longhorn, fairly recent. Not fairly recent. It's like six months ago. But and the, she ordered like steak because it's Longhorn. They're like, how would you like it cooked? And she's like, well done. And I'm like, you are actually like a criminal. Like that is like. <laughs> insane to me that people do that like if you like steak that way you just don't like steak like just don't order steak if you're gonna do that to it 
Like, I, I don't get it. Anyways, the reason, the only reason that we got to this, like this part of the bet was Christian was just like, oh yeah, like I think we need some steaks on it. And so I just said steak because my brain just was like, oh, steak. Yeah, and that, that's so how it came to be. So that's how, we, that's how we are where we are right now. Um, but anyways, I feel like we should really get on track here. So far, we've talked possible. almost strictly about Waffle House and steak. So do you, I, I have a question. These come together. Do you know what, do you know what restaurant chain in the United States sells the most steak each year? I don't. Waffle House. What? It's Waffle House. That it's a true stat. Steak and eggs seems sacrilegious, and yet it's true. Also, oh, you like made fun of me and saying like, "Oh, like Bruce Chris." Like it's still you get like a forty-nine, fifty-nine dollar steak there. Like I'm that's what I'm saying. I'm trying to avoid it. Buying there, you there's more steak. to there's more to a good steak than how much the place costs. Well, yeah, but that's that's why I said that. Like I've never been to Bruce Chris. I don't know if that's considered fancy or not. I'm talking about expensive. All right. Well, we'll find something in between Waffle House and Bruce Chris, like in that narrow margin. <laughs> We'll, we'll find a steak that works. All right. But All right. Anyway. Well, can, can I run down the list of yeah, um, signees now? It. Let's go ahead and do that. Um, so we've got Tyler Griffin, Thomas Castellanos, Quan Lee, Cam Moore, Kianis Thompson or KT Thompson, Tylen Grant Grable, Nikai Martinez, Damari Henderson, Jakari Henderson, Jamal Johnson, Caden Kittler, and Xavier Townsend. Xavier Townsend was a late addition to the class, originally um, committed to Iowa State. He decommitted on Sunday, and the buzz immediately was that UCF had gotten him flipped. And turns out that's what happened. So, and this the, class is very exciting. So, the thing with Townsend is he is the primary example of how things have changed for UCF by far, in my opinion, because it's like been the longest running thing for as long as UCF's been a program. That this is how it works: you have local players and players. I think he's from Tampa, right? Players from Central Florida, yeah. Florida, and it's like. This is how it works. You know, it's like you don't stay home because you want to be a power five player. So you go to some power five, some random power five school really far away. Like it was always so frustrating that even in 2017, when UCF was winning 13, 20, 13-0 in 2017 and 12-1 and the next year, like it was just you would have players that would be, that be down to like UCF and Iowa or UCF and Kansas State, like just random power five schools. And they would go to the schools, their power five. That's ending now because UCF's going to the Big 12. Now you have guys like that where a guy like Townsend, who nine out of 10 times he goes to the Power 5 school, but now he doesn't have to leave Florida to get to the Power 5 school. So he ends up at UCF. That's like, I, first off, I think he's a great player and I'm really excited to see what he does here and we can talk about that. But I just think that like that as an example of how of how the Big 12 invite has changed things, like that's a big freaking deal. It's not on paper like, oh, UCF flipped a player from Iowa State, big deal. It's just, it's what that represents. Because that was always the problem for UCF is you lose guys to these random middle tier power five schools. Well, it's also interesting too that it just happened to be Iowa State because now like Iowa State, I've seen Iowa State fans and like, I think it was their uh, 247 guy was like, this is a concern for Iowa State now that UCF's going to the big 12. is like Iowa State would come in and they'd come into Florida and get a bunch of recruits out of Florida because they can say, hey, come play in the Big 12. Now that UCF's here and they're about to be in the Big 12 with them, that's going to spell trouble for Iowa State. And Iowa State's just an example. Like it's going to be, like you said, it's going to be a huge advantage for UCF. And they even asked Gus about it in his signing day press conference. And he was saying like how big it already was. And it's only going to be a bigger thing for, for future classes. And just to be clear before, because remember way back in the day, many, 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 many months ago when Gus was hired, uh, UCF wasn't going to the power five and that wasn't even like yeah. remotely on the horizon. And I think that even if you see that doesn't happen, I think UCF still puts up its best class in school history. Gus is just that good of a recruiter, but it's not this good. 
yeah. you can get a different class of guys. The other thing is you look at guys, and this is the other big change that we've never seen before, is there are guys who had committable offers to Miami and Florida and Florida State, and they're coming to UCF. Castellanos had an offer from Florida State. It was more than an offer. They pursued him. There's a caveat there because they want him as a running back and UCF wants him as a quarterback. So that's the caveat. Still still cool, though. There, there was a point in yeah. time where that wouldn't matter. And you've got the Henderson twins that Miami flat out wanted and went after. Diaz went after them hard, didn't go to Miami, came to UCF. Quan Lee, former Miami commit, which that ended kind of ambiguously, but then I, he, there was some Florida interest there. I mean, it's like that you've got a lot of guys. Nakai Martinez, there's just, there's a bunch of guys on this list. Florida, Florida had go interest play in, in other Florida schools. Florida had interest in Jakari and Damari too, didn't they? I believe they Wasn't did, it, yeah. their final three was down to UCF, Miami, and Florida. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. That's never happened. Like, and listen, like, it's not like, I, and I want to like toe the line a little bit here. Cause I'm still like, re, like, like there's two things here that people get confused. Talent acquisition and recruiting matters. Stars don't like, I still right. like, I, it just, you know, it's like, it's, it's a good brand only thing, but so I don't want to give the impression like, Oh, now UCF's going to like have its bet. You know, it's like guys might pan out. They might not pan out, but right. at the end of the day, this it's just, this class is filled with guys that UCF there was a time that they could not get even get in the door for. And now they can't. And that's really exciting. It's in the yeah. first class. This is 2022. This staff didn't even really have time to build relationships. I mean, it takes time, you know, and, I, and Gus alluded to it in his press conference, but I think 2023 can be a freaking like insane class for UCF. I mean, I think that I genuinely think it could be like a top 30 class. Because UCF's in the 30s right now, right? They're at 39 or they're at No, they got bumps. Like they're like 42 right now. Oh, okay. They're 42 well, right now. It's even going still. Up and down. It's going up and down. Either yeah. way, that's great. I mean, UCF is typically in the 60s, like literally anywhere from like the high sixties to the mid fifties is where UCF always falls. This is a big yeah, and jump. Gus said in his press conference that like recruiting is a multi-year thing and it's about building relationships over multiple years. And the fact that like, he basically said like, we came in late cause this is like, this is their first like class and they had to build all these relationships within what they got here in February. Right. It yeah. was a nine, 10 month span. They had to, to build all these relationships, and they the class they came out with is is insanely uh, insanely impressive. And, and I very, feel very like players or not players, players, excuse me, fans, two very different groups. I feel like fans don't understand like everything that goes into that when we say like oh build relationships. It's not just like you're, it's not just like a player looks at you and is like I don't know who you are. You're you're going into rooms with players who have other schools they've been talking to for like two or three years in some cases or even yeah. longer, and you have to come in and say hey I know you haven't talked to us at all. But would you like to like commit your college career here in the next six months? And the fact that they this staff not only did that, but did so in a way that it became UCF's best class ever. And yes, it was helped by the Big 12 news, but still, that's just crazy. It's it's along the same lines, too, is that they're not only building relationships with the players, but they're building relationships with the families, like the entire families, because that it's the thing where, you know, the parents have to feel comfortable. Uh, ultimately, it's going to come down to the player's decision. But the parents like you want to make the parents feel comfortable with where their their son's going to college for the next three or four years. And Gus said multiple times about basically about every, every player that had a great family, great parents. And like, it's clear that they, that this staff just knows how to build relationships and how to connect not only with the players, but with, you know, the parents and with the families of, of these players. Well, it's the Malzahn effect. I mean, it's, it's like, and that's part of like Frost and Heupel can go on to be very good coaches, but at the end of the day, they're still new to the scene. They're new to being head coaches. You've got a guy like Malzahn who has like a like a 15 year history of being a successful coordinator and coach, putting guys in the NFL, having players for years back that love him. So it, it just it's 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 easier for families and players to get behind that because he has the track record. The other important relationship that they've been building is relationships with local schools. 
Yeah. And that's the thing that UCF just flat out did not have under the last staff, even remotely. I, I, and that, that was literally like, for all the hypo stuff, whatever, that was the one dramatic failing of his tenure was they didn't even try to establish relationships with the local high schools. And that who did we see? Them. It was it was the administrator at Sanford. Was it the principal at Sanford? Um at Seminole in Sanford that said I know what the tweet that, you're like, talking about, but I don't remember yeah, who it was. I can't remember for sure if it was him, but basically saying that like this coaching staff has done more in this short amount of time than the last staff did at all in terms of building relationships locally. And the it, athletic, just makes, it may um, never made any sense. The Athletic there any did sense. this article uh, not too long ago, which uh, if you have a subscription, you should read. And it was, it was, they were doing this recruiting confidential series and they did one for the state of Florida. And it was just basically like a bunch of anonymous high school coaches giving their thoughts on recruiting in the state. And all of them for UCF, they're like, we love the staff. Like all of them were like, they're recruiting like crazy. We love the staff so much. They're building something. And all of them were like, I had no relationship with UCF this time yeah. last year. And now, and now I hear from them more than anybody. I mean, that's how you're going to build this program. That's, that's how. Yeah. It's uh, it's really, really an exciting class, and there's just full of guys like top to bottom that it's just guys that Gus mentioned can can step in and play immediately, and guys that are going to be he he mentioned like he said most if not all of them have NFL talent in the future, and I don't feel like you hear that or I don't know if we've heard that very often for a coach to come in and say that on signing day, be like, yeah, I see a lot of these guys going to the NFL. Well, well Hypo, you just be like, I uh, we got guys who are going to attack in all three phases. Um, <laughs> yeah. They're in a race against themselves to be the best as they can be, as fast as they can be. The most confusing um, quote I've ever heard, and he said it so many times. He would say it every presser at least once. Like someone would be like, "Coach, what do you see from Memphis's defense?" And he'd be like, "Well, we're in a race against ourselves." And it's like, just stop saying it, dude. But no, I yeah. thought it was interesting. So this is totally—you can tell nothing from this. But I did note that in the press conference, I took notes on which players he said should factor in right away, and he said that for Quan Lee, and he said it for the Henderson twins. Which can you never freaking know? We'll get to spring ball and we'll see what happens. But or yeah. not even spring ball. I don't know. If, any of those guys are enrolling. He said who was enrolling early. Yeah, I forgot who. Forgot. I know uh, we know a couple of them, but Castellanos is. And McDonald. Look is. at me practicing saying his name right. McDonald. And McDonald is. is. Um. So I yeah, don't but, remember who else, but which that is a big advantage coming in in spring. But yeah. um, we shall see. It's just it, this is exciting. Today's kind of felt like vaguely like a holiday. Like it's just yeah, sign, yeah, signing day always day. feels that way. But and yeah, obviously we had national crazy stuff like the top player in the country is going FCS. That is crazy. Yeah. But it's a good day for UCF. This is a day where like you can really see sort of the vision of the future. And that's why I, it, and I'd like fans to pay attention to that because it, it's why it's got frustrating. Like it's like the stuff fans were choosing to get upset about over this year was so minuscule compared to the bigger picture. And like when you looked at what Gus did this past year with you throw in a ton of injuries and a team that's almost entirely not his players and they still got to eight and four and are playing floor in a bowl game. It's like, now we get to see starting next year and the year after what they can do with their players. And that's really exciting right. and should have everyone really excited for the future. Right. And speaking of their players, you want to go ahead and get into our, our little quote unquote draft. Let's our know, three players. Let's do it. Let's draft. How are you picking who goes first? Did you have, have a coin. coin that you always like? So, yeah, I, I was, I can't find it. Oh my gosh. So I just have a penny. I know. I even wanted okay. to say before I flipped it, I want to be like, this is a coin on a spaceship. It's been our space, but <laughs> I don't know where it went. I literally can't find it. I cleaned my room. I don't know. But anyway, all right. You can call it heads or tails. Tails. It is tails. You get the first pick. Oof. Lots okay. of pressure. Lots of I was pressure. Not expecting, I was not expecting to get the first pick. Um, but hey, I'll go with the number one on my big board, which probably Cold isn't Boomer? a surprise. Thomas Castellanos. I got to take him number one. He's, he's calling himself the hero. And if you brand yourself as the hero, you got to be the hero. So he's going to be the hero of, of my three-player my three team here. 
I mean, just dynamic dual threat guy fits everything like Gus looks for in a quarterback for that kind of offense. And I just love his, his leadership and just like the genuine excitement and the genuine love that he already seems to have for not only the coaching staff, but for UCF and the fans. And I mean, he's been for months now trying to recruit other players to come join him. So um, obviously you can tell we've, we've talked about him multiple podcasts now Um, excited about him. I'll take him for my, my number one. Well, that's unfortunate that you took him number one. I didn't know if I was going to take him at all, to be honest with you. Really? Well, I think it's a little bit of a gamble because you, you know, he's not the only quarterback on this roster. It's fair. Uh, we, I, I, I think Tommy's great. And I think he could end up being the next franchise guy for UCF, but, or he might not. I mean, quarterbacks, there can only be one. So I just, I feel choice. that confident that he's the, like, he's the, the prototype of what a Gus Malzahn quarterback should be. And I Gus agree. compared him. Gus compared him into his press in his press conference to Nick Marshall, who he had as his quarterback when they went to the national championship in 2013. And yeah, it is a gamble. I mean, I feel like for the most part, most of these are gambles. And I think I know who you're going number one overall. And like, I wish I, I partly wish I could have taken him, and I don't think I'm going to end up with him. But let's just let's throw it over to you. All right, my number one is Xavier Townsend. Yeah, I figured. Yep. Uh, the running back slash do it all sort of, uh, I don't know, Swiss army knife, whatever you want to call him, just can yeah. sort of do everything kind of like, so the reason I take, I took him is I think, and he's the guy we, we talked about who just flipped from Iowa state. If you're still learning the names. Um, I, the, we talked about this earlier. I think that you kind of look at like, like I'm trying to figure out my words here. Like the way that you see, I've tried to use Ryan O'Keefe this year is kind of this do it all guy. It, it worked and it didn't work because I just don't think Ryan O'Keefe is that type of player Townsend very much is like this is a guy who is going to be a ton of freaking fun in Malzahn's yeah. offense and I think that he could put up some like stupid numbers in all-purpose yards you know like I think he's just gonna like I think he can do big things I, I and that's honestly why I think he ended up flipping back to UCF is I think it's like he is a player that is it is easy to pitch on what he can do in this style of offense I mean yeah. I think and I think that's really what UCF was missing this year is a player that can just come in and just like light a fire just be dynamic and that you can use in a lot of different ways I, we talked we I mean we talked about you know in the past our last podcast talking about the passing of Otis Anderson and we made an offhand comment about could you imagine Otis and Gus's system and this guy kind of feels like we talked about sort of how Johnny Richardson felt kind of like Killen's natural successor like uh Xavier Townsend kind of feels like Otis's natural successor just very similar just these explosive do-it-all players and yeah. I'm excited to have a guy like that at UCF he's definitely that type of player. And, and if anyone hasn't seen the, um, the highlights he had against him. So Berkeley, we came from Berkeley prep in Tampa and they played a game against Newman, um, which was in, I think they're in Louisiana, right? That's the school that Arch Manning plays for nationally televised game. Um, 351 total yards and five total touchdowns for Townsend. Just it's, it kind of got annoying actually after a while, if you're watching the highlights, because you hear the announcer like a million times, Xavier Townsend just always says it like, <laughs> A million times because it's like just back to back to back plays of him like dominating a game in the first quarter because he played some defense too in the first quarter he had a rushing touchdown he had an interception and then I think he had another like big catch or like almost maybe another touchdown yeah it was it's insane to watch so yeah I mean he was one that I considered and it would have been an easy 
I don't know. It, it would have been an easy, like if you, if you had gotten the number one pick and you had taken Tommy, it would have been easy for me. Like, okay, Xavier, he's like the natural one or two guy. Because um, I just think you can put him basically anywhere on the field and he's a big play waiting to happen, you know? And that's kind of yeah. what Gus has talked about all seasons there. Like, like what they've been missing a little bit. He hasn't flat out said that, but it's been obvious. I mean, that's where the offense is stalled. And, and I'm not trying to like hate on Ryan O'Keefe because he is very much the guy they tried to right. put in that role, but it's just, that's just not Ryan O'Keefe's skill set, you know? And, yeah, it's well, like, and it was more just, they had to find someone to fill that role. I said that to you earlier when we were texting basically that he's very much like he's a wide receiver, a good wide receiver who can, you know, have success on those end arounds, those reverse type of plays. He's not necessarily like a hybrid kind of running back and wide receiver. Right. Which is what Townsend pretty much is. Like, I mean, he's labeled a lot, a lot of recruiting services as just an athlete. I think UCF on like the, the board that I think they saw at UCF, they had him as a wide receiver, but he's just, he can do everything. I mean, I'm just thinking about the future. Like UCF in a couple of years could trot out like, you know, like a backfield if they wanted to have like Tommy Castellanos and Townsend and McDonald. And it's like, how do you stop that? You know, yeah. like, it's like, how do you stop that? I, I just, I really do feel like we're seeing the build, like the building blocks of UCF's future offense here. And it's exciting. And I'm not totally like, like bailing on Mikey Keene. This is still the Mikey Keene supporting podcast. I just, we talked about the challenges he's going to face of now we do have a quarterback in here. That's kind of fits malls on system better. And I'm curious yeah. to see who ends up winning that. We're going to talk about later in the podcast, another quarterback who could be entering the phrase soon, yeah. but all right, hit me with your second pick. This is so difficult. Cause okay. like when we were originally doing this, it was like, who are you most excited about? And I kind of like ranked them that way. And I kind of kept the same rankings once we decided to do this, like top three of just like, who's going to be most productive. I'm still going to stick with the guy, the third guy on my list, just because I think he's going to be very, very good. But I'm also just very excited about who he seems to be as a person and who he seems to be you know, as a guy for the locker room in the community. I'm going with Jordan McDonald. Damn it. Um, yeah, it just <laughs> also, if, if you haven't watched those like videos that were coming out from Malzahn's account today, um, they'd have the players like say who they were, they would uh, like basically what UCF is getting, uh, and then how they would describe their game. Jordan McDonald describes his game, he says, I describe my game like the ocean calm, fluid, and at sometimes even violent. And I thought that was the coolest that's that like the is the, thing I've ever heard. I did, I haven't watched the videos yet. That is amazing. If yeah. I'd seen that video, he might have been my number one pick. That yeah. is, and then. Wow. And then he goes on to say that he, he provides energy to the team and love to the fan base that supports them. And I don't know if, if I hope everybody's seen this at this point, but um, someone from his school posted this last week, uh, a picture of him and another player on the football team and said, freshman is being bullied at school. So our football players start walking him to class. And Jordan is one of the players and says, this is the type of leadership and influence. Um, Milton, the coach, like their coach shows our boys that get gets missed. And, you know, th that kind of stuff is like, I think Gus talked about a little bit too, is, is recruiting the right people, not just the right players, but recruiting the right people. And I think Jordan McDonald is very much that kind of play, that kind of person and the player. I mean, he, you watch him too. He's, he's electric. I mean, a big running back, very, very fast. Gus was saying like he Gus, and I know you're going to gas up your own guys, but Gus was saying they truly believe that he's the like best running back in the nation and they got him. So yeah, I'll, I'll take him as my number two guy. And I'm just I'm very excited about the future of the backfield. I know like next year, I, I would think like Townsend and McDonald can both both have the talent to contribute right away. It's going to be a crowded backfield, but I would not be surprised at all if those are two of the guys that emerge out of that crowded backfield. I I have the list if you want me to say it. The list of what for running backs next year? Oh yeah, go ahead. So yeah. it could be which we'll see who comes back. Could it, as this isn't even the whole list. It's just guys who could probably contribute. R.J. Harvey, Isaiah Bowser, Mark Anthony Richards, Jordan McDonald, uh, Xavier Townsend, Johnny Richardson. 
That's a lot. And that's not wait, did you even say trillion coals? I didn't even throw a trillion coals yeah, there. I didn't like, I didn't throw a Demary's good in there. I like the, yeah. there's more past that, but I'm just like that th- some of those guys could end up transferring, but I yeah. mean it's just like, geez, man. Um we'll I'm really bummed goals. you took Jordan McDonald because <laughs> I was hoping you would go defense with your second pick and I'd be able to snag him. Um, yeah. but you screwed me up there. I do want to talk about before I make my next, my next pick. I want to have some assurances about this bet because I feel like it could be easy. Here you're looking at me, hear me out. It could no, be yeah, easy I think to I know go where you're going with this. all offensive players because offensive players typically like those are guys we identify as stars more or like put up quote unquote put up numbers. So like yeah. I, I want to be clear that like in three years when we're evaluating this bet, we're going to look at impact on both sides of the ball and not be drawn to numbers. Yeah, it, it, I mean numbers will be. A, I think numbers will be a part of it, but it won't be obvious. Obviously, like we there's offensive linemen in here that like and, and guys that aren't going to have like quantifiable stats. There are also so, some guys on defense, like if they're doing your job, you don't, if you're, if they're doing yeah. your job, you don't hear about them. So yeah. I, you know, so that, I, that's why I'm a little hesitant to pick. No, yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll take, we'll look at the whole picture. It's not just going to be stats. All right. I'm going to take my next player. Then I am going to take Damari Henderson now. Wow. Okay. Uh, I, I, I recognize there are two of the Hendersons and they're twins. Um, and you may be asking, Christian, how did you settle on Damari? Isn't Jakari the higher ranked? And Jakari is the higher ranked. I settled on Damari because he is one pound heavier than Jakari. And I, <laughs> I feel you... that that, I feel that, you know, that matters at the next level. So I'm going with Did Damari. you actually? Is that why? I'm, I'm dead serious. That's why. I'm dead serious. Well, I knew Wait, I was going to Was it more? I was going was... to pick a Henderson twin with my second okay. pick. And I and wasn't just sure which, which one, one to pick. Okay. And I, and I literally, they're like the same. So like, I didn't know what to do. So, and then, and then Damari, like I said, he's, he, he weighs in at one pound heavier. And I think that's going to make all the difference at the next level. I think it's going to get him on the field faster. Um, unless so, like, un, unless Jakari like eats a cheeseburger before practice, in which case they'll be even again. But so yeah, what I have, it's so. funny. Cause like on my list, I have Damari, I have him ahead of Jakari. And why is, what is your reasoning? <laughs> mine is, I don't know if mine's even like dumber, but I just like safeties better. So like, I just, I just, I think yours might be dumber than mine. It might be. I just, I'm drawn, I'm drawn more to the safety position. Like some of my favorite players that I watched growing up and even currently are safeties. So I was like, I'll take the one that's safety. Cause I even noted. Yeah. I mean, Jakari is the one that's ranked higher or rated higher, but I had to mark. How are you going to rate one twin that like, he's almost significantly higher. Yeah. I, it's just is it just position wise position based because Damari is a safety and Jakari is a no because Damari is actually higher ranked as a safety. He's the forty fifth safety in the nation. Jakari is the forty sixth corner in the nation. Oh, so I don't yeah. know. Uh, maybe two four seven just thinks corners are better. <laughs> like your team is better. <laughs> you have a better corner. I don't know. But yeah, so I'm, I'm rolling. With, I'm rolling with Damari. Uh, I, I I don't know if this pick will work out, but I just. And I also feel part of me is like, am I stupid for like flipping past Nakai Martinez to grab a Henderson twin? But I just, I don't know. I, I was feeling it. I was feeling it with this pick. I'm very, very, I'm conflicted. Because mm. now you're like, do you grab the other Henderson or do you do something else? It wasn't even that. It was oh, more okay. that I was expecting you to take Nakai Martinez. So Yeah, I, I like, thought about it. And, and maybe I was like, I'm dumb okay. for not. I was like, okay, I'll just jump down to my last, my, or my next one, which I like started in my head. I was already like, okay, I'm, I'm very confident about that pick, but I, I, I ha- I'm going to have to go with Nikai Martinez and more so just cause he's, he's the next guy on my list. Actually, he's not the next guy on my list, but I skipped over somebody that we'll probably end up talking about, but um, I mean, Nikai's, you know, stars don't matter, but he's for, for all intents and purposes, he's a composite four star. And just watching some of his highlights and stuff is just a hard hitter. He covers well. And something that I was 
just so annoyed about all season long was that UCS corners just seemed to never get their head around when, when, when they were in coverage. <laughs> and I saw some plays where he gets his head around on the ball and he makes plays on it. And it's just, it's so much, it's so helpful when it comes to not drawing or not um, being called for pass interference, but also you can make plays you can turn around. Sometimes you can pick the ball off. Like it's just, I didn't, it was something that frustrated me with, UCF's defense at times you but, would talk about that constantly throughout the season yeah. like every game how frustrating and there was one play there was one play that I saw I think it was on his huddle on his huddle film um where he's playing like I don't know 10 yards off the line of scrimmage basically and the receiver runs a curl route and when the when the the um quarterback lets go of the ball Nikai is at the 46 yard line and the receiver is at like the 42 and somehow like he jumps the route so well and just gets his hand in, makes a play. That play stood out to me just because he read it so well. And I just think that instinctually he's going to be a really, really good player. And I think he could be a guy that could contribute pretty, pretty early too. So um, he's the so guy. The main reason I decided to pass on him is just, I just, it feels so cliche to take the highest rated player in the class. And I also feel like I don't think the highest rated player in the class has ever gone to actually be the best player in the class. That's one of the reasons I almost didn't take him because I just thought of like UCF's recent history with like four stars and just higher rated players. And which of course, of them, totally different evaluation with the staff. So yeah. it's probably a stupid point, but, but none of them have really panned out. And so I was like, Oh, is it like, but I don't know. It's just, I'm trusting, I'm trusting the staff on this one. I'm trusting whatever. I just, I think he's a really going to be a really good player and hopefully pans out. Hopefully all these guys pan out. Obviously like now that there's this bet, I'm going to be like, rooting for no, my no, guys, I guess, I, but like it's a steak dinner i hope all of these guys yeah. go to the nfl i right. don't care like i i'll you know i really don't it's right. like this isn't like the desert so just Ritter for the fun you're like you know <laughs> for the fun of it all and be like oh that's my guy but yeah no i i hope i hope all these guys obviously pan out and, and are, are huge parts of ucf success over the next few years but let's get your third player um and then maybe we'll talk about some guys that we just didn't pick Okay, so I don't have a third player yet, and I'm going to run you through my thought process. Um, okay. I was certain you were going to pick Quan Lee at some point, <laughs> and I can't believe you didn't. And I now, passed over um, him for Nikai. And now I'm torn because I think Quan Lee is really good. I just don't know how long he's going to be at UCF. I just worry. I just – and it's like we don't know anything at all, like, to be clear. I just – it's like he, his, his, he is a very uh, – very uh, – outgoing guy on social media and i'm just like when they asked gus about his comp like he well gus first we when he was describing all these players he was like he's a confident guy and they even asked him about like the way he is on social media he's like yeah he's got his kind of his own personality on social media and gus was like laughing about it like i've um, basically been waiting for him to decommit since he committed and he just like, feels like kind of a wild card he does feel like a wild card like i feel like he like i literally and i'm dead serious when i say this I think he could go down as the best wide receiver in UCF history. And I think he could go down as a transfer to Florida. Like, I just, I don't, I don't know. And I'm, I'm like, do I take him with the last pick? Cause that like, he could, he could transfer out, you know, there's that tie because he's from Gainesville. He's from Gainesville. So I feel like if Florida and ever came calling, there's a chance he'd take the call. Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, you've got to make, you've got to make a decision here. We're already running along on this podcast. We're still only on topic one. So yeah, I'm not making a judgment. Well, it's like, what even are my other options really? I could double down on the Hendersons, I suppose. Jamal Johnson's kind of a sneaky, we didn't really talk about, but he could end up being really good. Um, I'm going to regret this so much. I'm going to go Quan. I'm going to, I'm going to get Quan. I found it interesting that even during like consider, like when you were considering your options there, you didn't even think Caden Kittler. Cause yeah, I didn't think Caden Kittler because I don't know how we're going to quantify a center. Like, I don't know how, 
Like, I don't know I, if I, I'd ever convince you that, yeah, I should win this bet because we had a really good center, you know? Well, I think about him. Um, I think about it in terms of like, when you think of like some of the best UCF offensive linemen in recent history, like Sam Jackson played like, like a four-year starter played like, well, I guess he had an injury, but like a guy like him, Wyatt Miller, Cole, Cole Schneider, Schneider. Like guys that like had longevity and played a ton and were really, really good like year in and year out. Like that's how I feel like he's, yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to quantify an offensive lineman. Um, but I was, I honestly was going to take him if you, if you would have taken Nakai with your second pick. That cause... surprised me. Cause like, I think about like, say we're talking about, like, say we did this bet years ago, we're talking about, I'm now. also like, biased it... towards offensive linemen. So if you had, if you had Jordan Johnson, let's say like, let's say we did this years ago and we're discussing now you had Jordan Johnson and I took like Gabe Davis. Yeah. It's, Gabe it's Davis hard. would wait. Yeah. You would just go with Gabe Davis. Cause you have the stat like, Oh, linemen are guys that you don't hear about if they're doing their job. Like you don't ever want to hear about your center. Like well, so that's part like, of the reason I thought when you started asking me that question of clarifying that I was like, Oh, maybe you're having, cause I was, that's, I had that same thought because of Kittler being high on my list. Yeah. No, it's just, it's, and it's sort of like, I'm having this talk because it's, and we're all guilty of it, but it's just sort of where the sport has gone. You see it with the Heisman voting. Like, it's like, yeah, no one really cares about defense anymore, like, or anything. Like, it's, no one cares about anything that doesn't have a quantifiable number next to it. You know, like quarterbacks win every year because quarterbacks have the, 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 the actual stats. Like, there are more stats for the quarterback position than any other position. So it's not a surprise yeah. that they get elevated. But okay, yeah. so recapping, you, you took Tommy Castellanos, Jordan yep. McDonald. Yep. Kai Martinez. Yes. I took Xavier Townsend, Damari Henderson, and Quan Lee. I think I, I got screwed. Thing about Quan, Lee. Okay. Quan Lee is like the best way I can describe him because just like what we've seen of his personality on Twitter is that, and I, I just am assuming he's, he's this way on the field. He's the kind of receiver that you absolutely love if he's on your team. If he's not I on your team, that. if he's on your, if he's not on your team, you would hate him. And like, I, I'm trying, I'm struggling to think of like, there, there's certainly been, I mean, there's been guys like that in the NFL and guys like that in college where it's like, you can just, you can just tell that he just kind of has that edge to him. And, and if you're playing against him, you just like get so frustrated because you know, he's going to talk. Oh yeah. Uh, That's the as, thing is as I, a fan, I, as a fan of his team, you're going to be like, Oh, I love it. As long as he doesn't draw any penalties. But. He's going to be like the Janie Tart of UCF football. <laughs> That's a good example. You know, what's funny is we make a lot of Ted Lasso references in this podcast. And I just don't know if any of our audience listens to Ted Lasso. They may just er, listens to watches Ted Lasso. <laughs> you should watch confused. and listen to it. Watch and listen to watch it at the same it. time. Don't do it My separately. Favorite. You'll get confused. My favorite show ever. All right, let's do the, uh, let's do we the gotta next, jump in. We are, we are running very long. Um, we'll do a speed round. So yeah, this might be a little quicker. Um, yeah. Cause originally this is, so the next topic we're going to talk about UCF and the transfer quarterback market. Originally we were going to talk about, um two quarterbacks we're going to talk about Bo Nix who has officially entered the transfer portal of course former Auburn quarterback played for Gus was recruited by Gus all that fun stuff the other one we're going to talk about was Michael Penix who is the former Indiana quarterback and he visited UCF over the weekend can I say something about Bo Nix oh sorry you're still you're still setting up sorry I keep forgetting that like we have to explain things before we talk about yeah so Penix visited UCF over the weekend and as of I believe it was Tuesday he officially announced that he is committed to Washington so he's off the table for UCF, and now we're down to who is the ideal get for UCF, and why is it Bo Nix? Okay, I, I need to I need to I need to warn UCF fans. They need to heed my warning. UCF fans are under the impression that Bo Nix to UCF is like a done deal, or that there's nowhere else he would go. That is not the case. Yeah, and you guys, I'm not saying he won't come here, but it's not like the way you're phrasing it. You know, your like fans have just sort of framed it, and national media are kind of doing it too because they're just all like, "Oh, well, the obvious spot, like the rivals guy was like, oh, obviously, you know, not the case." So like, just everyone, like, calm down. I I think UCF is in a good position to get him, and I think they might, 
but I, it, everyone is literally acting as if he is already the quarterback here. And that is just <laughs> not smart. So yeah, tone it down a little bit guys. Like, yeah. But, he does a lot of schools that are, that are in and would be interested in him. So it's funny. It's funny. Cause a couple of weeks ago when I was thinking about like, who could UCF get, I was like, I, I was like, I don't really want Bo Nix. I was like, yeah, it's I didn't not either. a guy. It's not a guy I was interested in at all. And even like, it's funny because you say not you neither. Like earlier this week when he actually officially entered the transfer portal, I told you that I was going to talk myself into him being actually maybe kind of good. And you said, I will stop you. The next day I said, let me amend that and say that I'm going to, I'm going to talk myself into him being a fun quarterback to where there's like, yeah, there's going to be the moments that are just, what are you doing? But it's also like, he's going to have some really fun moments. And he had one of those against LSU where like he slipped out of like four sacks on the same play and somehow threw a touchdown. And then where we ended up, you were, you told me you were going to stop me from doing that too. Yep. And then where we ended up was both of us were like, Hey, uh, I think we kind of want him to come to UCF. That is correct. Um, and here's <laughs> how we got there. Uh, first off, it was the revelation that, and I'm not a hundred percent on this cause we just have to go off what was reported, but Bo Nix's best year was his freshman year. And then it was a decline from there. As far as we can tell, Bo Nix's freshman year was the only year where Gus Malzahn was the play caller at Auburn. Because yes. then he, under dubious circumstances, gave it up a few times. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Uh, uh, and, and one of those times was after Bo Nix's uh, freshman season. So I'm kind of like, interesting. So all of his like really bad moments were when Gus wasn't calling plays. Um, and secondly, like, I'm just looking at 2022. And I don't think Bo Nix transferring in changes the rest of the quarterback room. I think the most likely outcome of that situation was you get Bo Nix for a year and then Tommy and Mikey plus whatever quarterback they bring in next year battle for the starting job in 2023. And that's probably right. better anyway, because if it does end up being Tommy, I, it, this might end up being what happens, but I, I'm not super keen to do the <laughs> keen <laughs> to do the whole true freshman thing two years in a row. Right. You know, Cause even like, I, I think Tommy could be really good, but it's going to be like this year, true freshman go well, up you, and down. You and I basically at, at this point, or once, once we were like, yeah, Dylan's gone. We kind of had resigned. We're like, yeah, 2022 is going to be a worse year, but just let's just use it to, um, develop whoever the quarterback's going to be for the first year. The exactly Bowl, right. Which and like, now, I don't think the coaching staff's going to take that kind of like, I don't want to say defeatist stance, but like they're going to want to win. Well, there was, when we said that, and I stood by that at the time, there was no quarterback on the mark transfer market that moved the needle enough for me to be like, yes, let's just right. roll with that guy. Bo Nix does move that needle. He has some very remarkably stupid moments. <laughs> um, and I suspect he will have some remarkably stupid moments at UCF, but it, if he, if he comes here, if he comes here again, stop <laughs> acting like this is a done deal. It's you just not. Said when, when you just said, Did I really say that? Yeah, I'm well, sorry. you said, you said no, he's definitely going to have some stupid moments at UCF. Like he's, he, he definitely already... would if he came here. I'm serious guys. Like yeah. you got to chill with that. You got to, you got to calm down. Yeah. I, I, you know, relax. But anyway, right. um, the flip side of it, and I don't mean to like sound, but I genuinely feel this way is that if he has improved at all, if he even lives up to like 70% of his high school hype, which he could, UCF could like win the AAC and go to near six next year. And, and like, then that's the difference to me is like, it's worth the risk. Cause if he puts it, if it like best case scenario, UCF goes undefeated, or I think could at very bare minimum be a conference title contender and be a really good top 25 team. Worst case he sucks. And you swap him out for Tommy or Mikey after a couple of games. Like I, you know, I just, so yeah. I just, I, I think that UCF has to get him. And I, and the other thing, and I tweeted, this is what's really made me realize that is Cincinnati apparently also wants him. <laughs> and that was when I realized that I, I, I think Bo Nix has potential. Cause I realized I do not want UCF to play him at Cincinnati. And I'm like, Oh, yeah. okay. I guess he needs to come here. So yeah. hopefully UCF will land him. I, I am sure that UCF would like to, yeah. um, but it, it's just, he's going to have, and does have a lot of offers 
from a lot of really good schools. And, it, it, and, and the whole notion of just, well, that's his old coach. That's where he's going to go. It's, it's never that simple. So, so here's, here's the thing that's interesting is that like, we guess we kind of hopefully destroyed the narrative that he's just straight up bad by basically explaining like, Gus, like when Gus called the offense, yes, he had his true freshman moments and he was a true freshman. He's a true freshman, right? Yeah. Or does he, okay. Yeah. So he had his freshman moments, you know, he had six, six interceptions, whatever. He still had 23 total touchdowns, 16 passing, seven rushing 2020 i guess gus wasn't calling the plays it was a shortened season he threw more interceptions but he also still had 19 total touchdowns and this year under brian harson he had 15 total touchdowns his rushing stats just went way down and i they just completely the they, they stopped him from being a dual threat quarterback the I mean, they completely removed that from his game because the narrative is like for, well it's more of the narrative from like auburn fan i've just seen a bunch of auburn fans like oh like if he goes to ucf like i just i'll lose all respect for him like he's gonna go back to the coach that like stunted his development and like basically ruined him no i think he's gonna go if he's coming to ucf he's gonna go to the coach that one recruited him and two used him probably the way he wants to be used and he's he's a much better fit under gus than he was under harson from the looks of it and i think i mean obviously and the thing too that's that's always that's been dumb about them saying that is like if he chooses to come to UCF, obviously he doesn't think that Gus is the reason that like things didn't necessarily work out for him at Auburn. Like it's just the weird thing where like the fans think they know everything behind why he didn't wasn't necessarily a Heisman contender at Auburn. But that's the thing is it is a like a widely held belief among Auburn fans that and I'm not saying whether they're right or not because I don't know that right. Gus Malzahn screwed up his development. And that's why Malzahn was eventually fired that, that like that to them. It's not like that's a theory that is fact to them of what happened. And well, I'm not, I'm, I'm just saying, I don't know. I wasn't, no, yeah. like, I, I wasn't just... keeping track of how, whether Auburn was developing their quarterback or not for the last three years. Um, but if he does choose to come to UCF, that kind of ruins that entire theory. Cause yeah. I think Bo Nix knows better than the fans of why he did or did not develop, you know? So right. it, if he chooses to come back to Gus, I don't know how they can claim that. And then at that point, all you have to, like Auburn fit, like Auburn made a very dumb decision firing Malzahn. I think that's pretty clear now, especially since they've just had their worst year since Malzahn was last wasn't the coach. Yeah. Um. But it's just like what you see fans did with Heupel. You you villainize whoever you don't have anymore. I mean, we we do the exact same thing with Heupel. So yeah. And with Frost to an extent. So yeah. it is what it is. I don't fault them that. But yeah, you can't really keep claiming that theory if he comes here. I feel like we should we should keep going here, like to the next topic, because I feel like this podcast is going long. Yeah. I mean basically just wrapping uh we both at this point want to see bo nicks at ucf and we'll see i don't know how like we haven't really seen much of a timeline on like when he's going to want to you know make that decision or if he's going to do visits i don't know the whole, It'll be the whole portal business It'll the whole be portal business later. i think is going to pick up here now that signing days passed or within the next few days it's going to explode uh, now there were a lot of staffs that were just waiting for like you didn't want to mix this with signing day i think now, you know you had a signing Gus day that, was that like they wanted to be patient about it and make sure they're going after the right guys in the portal and i think to him like obviously he didn't say this and he wasn't going to but like when he's mentioning the right guys i'm, I'm assuming a right guy to him would probably be bone nicks like i would think that bone would be I on am, his list i am to, like, certain that ucf would would <laughs> to call take him, so. um yeah. i i'm willing to bet and i could be totally wrong on this i'm willing to bet by the by the time we're doing our next podcast uh, it'll be we'll, somewhere we'll no bonix's fate whether it's here or somewhere else yeah so, that's so sounds ominous see. It, I don't know why I said it in that really dark fate. voice. His fate will be determined. Yeah. It's like, it's like a, it was like Quadri Jones. Like, you all will be missed. <laughs> We're all dying. Um, we will eventually. Um, we'll jump into our final topic here. And it's it's a brief one because we'll do our full uh, Gasparilla Bowl preview next week on the podcast. 
Um, but just some updates here and there throughout the last couple of weeks. Um, not as many on the UCF side of things. Um, we didn't really expect any opt-outs or anything, but Gus had his like first gasperable press conference on Saturday. Um, and was very general about injuries saying basically he thought UCF would be much healthier as a team for the bowl. He was asked about Isaiah Bowser and Bowser. He said on Bowser that he practiced last Saturday and that they're hopeful he'll play. I don't really know how intense or how intensive of a practice it was last Saturday, but they've practiced again since obviously. Um, and today was his signing day press conference. They didn't really ask him much about bowl prep. Um, but the idea that he could be on track to play, I mean, he even said that we knew this at the time that Bowser was doing everything he could um, to go out and play. And then he was like suiting up on game day, that just to test it out to see if he felt better um, on game day than he did like during the week and just wasn't able to go. So we'll see how Bowser pans out and hopefully UCF can have him for uh, the bowl game. And as far as Florida, um, they've got a few more updates. Their leading wide receiver, Jacob Copeland entered the transfer portal last week. And in his like goodbye, he said something about like, although my last game as a Gator will come soon, they basically you'll always be family, whatever. Um, then, so then after that, we'll get back to him in a second. The leading tackler, Mohamed Diabade, uh, entered the transfer portal as well. And this guy, Nick De La Torre, on, of, he was, writes for Gators Online, um, one of the, the better UF sources I've seen. Um, he was asked this week if either player was practicing or planning to play, and he just said nope. Like that was just – that was his uh, – his response was literally nope. Um, and I saw some – another fan reply and said that um, Copeland, the receiver – was in um, Maryland for something. I don't know if he was visiting there in Maryland or if he was just, I don't know. So it doesn't seem like they're going to have the leading receiver or the leading tackler. Um, and as far as Anthony Richardson, um, he said, and we didn't think he was going to play anyway, but he said, I don't think so about him being available for the bowl. And then later I saw that Anthony Richardson had said, oh, I in an Instagram comment on like some Gators page, uh, confirmed basically that he had torn his meniscus off of the bone in the FSU oh. game. He said he originally hurt his meniscus in high school. He, he aggravated it uh, a, a few weeks, I guess, before the FSU game. Remember, he got hurt, like, dancing, dancing in a hotel at the hotel. Room. And then he said, it's like, that re-aggravated it, I guess. And then he said he tore it against FSU. And so the surgeries happened. It, I believe the surgeries happened. So he'll be out. And then um, De La Torre also said that Naquan Wright, uh, one of the running backs, 76 carries, 326 yards, and a touchdown, said he also won't be available for the bowl game. So a lot of transfers, opt-outs, whatever you want to say um so far for florida and that is kind of and we were going to talk about this a little bit it's kind of changed the narrative a little bit about this game and christian is more worried than he was last week i would say i'm about just as worried about everything um but i still feel like pretty decent about ucf's chances with all this news but it's just the idea of ucf losing now is more catastrophic um, I feel like I should say, because we didn't say it. I don't, think, I don't believe we said it in the last podcast. It wasn't official yet. We're both going to be covering the game together. Yeah. Which First time a, since 2018. I think 2017. No, it was 2018. Was it really? Yeah, it was. I think it was the oh, okay. Thursday night game against Temple. I can't believe you remembered it like down to the game. Yeah. That means so much to me. But yeah, we haven't covered a game together in a long time. So this is going to be fun. I'm well, looking forward to spending a few days in Tampa. <laughs> looking forward peek to Peek behind the curtain of that was um, I was writing for KSN like all year. And then I had a game that my mom was coming to visit for. So it was a Navy game. So I was not covering that game. And then that night they announced game day for the next week against Cincinnati. And I was like, hey, I'm not going to cover the game. I'm just going to go to the game as a fan for game day. Yeah, and that was one of it. one of us was more committed to night sports now than the other. Um, but anyway, <laughs> sorry about it. Uh, yeah, and then you were just gone. Um, but yeah. and then here we are years like, later. 
then I graduated. So then I'm alone in the press box, all these games. Um, not yeah. alone. There's like a bunch of other people in there, but uh, <laughs> just, <you. laughs> just me in a silent press box. But yeah, I'm excited. We, I mean, we haven't covered a game together in a long time. Yeah. The last game I, the last time, well, you could look at this two ways. The last game I covered in that stadium was the last Gasparilla Bowl, which UCF won. The last time I covered that game with another Night Sports Now person with me was when Milton that suffered his catastrophic injury. Right. So I don't know if this is a good omen or a bad omen, but yeah, I'm excited to cover a game together. Um, yeah. What I'm not excited for is that the narrative is not what I was anticipating for this game. And I talked, I talked at length on the last podcast. I wrote a freaking article about it, about how, um, you know, uh, sorry, I just got a text and then I was like, I should probably read this text <laughs> while I'm in the middle of the podcast yeah. um, about how, you know, like this game, there's nothing for UCF to lose because everyone expects Florida to blow them out. Turns out that's not what anyone expects. Um, the game yeah. day went 50-50 on UCF versus Florida. I've listened to, we talk, I listen to a lot of college football podcasts. Almost unanimously, all of the ones I listen to have either expected a close game or a UCF win. So the narrative has shifted. Um, which is not great for UCF on the flip side. Like it's weird in the last week, I am now more confident that UCF will win. And I'm also more worried about the game. Like, does that make sense? No, I'm in the same spot. Cause I think UCF's going to win. Um, but I also like, okay. I I I don't know if I'll go that far. I think UCF is going to win and it will be much worse than I was anticipating if they don't. (laughs) That's where we're at. And I'm going to say this now, I'm going to say it on next week's podcast. I'm going to really drill it in. Um, do not like, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to call you on it. Fans of the internet. <laughs> not you, not you Bailey. I just like shook my finger at the cameras and yeah. said that every single year, every fan base takes the results of the bowl game and cut and it redefines the entire season. They redefine the season that just happened and the season that's coming through the results of that bowl game. And I don't want to see UCF fans do that either way. Cause I can already see it. If UCF loses the bowl, everyone's going to be like this, this, this is a failure. Like the staff isn't working out. And if UCF wins the bowl, they're going to be like, we're going undefeated next year. And it's like, you need to not do either of those. You need okay. to just take it as a single game and move on. <laughs> Here's what I'll say. Um, no, no. I'll help you. I'll help you police that. I hope. Well, maybe, maybe not. Sometimes I just like to stay out of Twitter things, but if they lose, I'll maybe help you police it a little more. If they win, UCF fans have your fun. No, 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 okay. no, 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 no. Have your fun. No, I'm just saying like, I don't, I don't even care if you're going to like go off and be like, we're the best no, team even... in the state. Gators are a joke. I'm not going to put blah. any bounds. I'm not going to put any bounds on the fun. You can say we're going undefeated next year. No, no, no. You're wrong. <laughs> until, we get, because until we get to the spring and then we have to redefine, okay, what's what we can. They're not going to say it, Bailey. They're going to believe it. They're going to spend the next six months being like, wow, can you believe it? We beat six and six Florida. We're going to be, we're going to beat everybody by 30 next year. And, and they'll also do it with Mikey Keene. If Mikey has a good game, Mikey is the future of UCF football. Why did Tom even bother signing? <laughs> if Mikey has a bad game, like they're going to run him off, like get him out of here. He's he put him on scout team. Like it just, that's the, just the way fans are. I'm asking you guys to not do that. Be, be the better person. Don't be like other fan bases. We're better than other fan bases. Well, some of them. Well. So, so just come on guys, help me out here. And don't, don't, don't go crazy in either direction, depending on the results. I'm sorry. I have to shout out. Somebody changed their, their name on Twitter, their display name to Gasparilla Bowl Enjoyer. And I just think that's the funniest <laughs> thing. Hey, shout out, to, shout out to Evan Lando underscore. The Gasparilla Bowl needs to stop tweeting like a pirate. I'm done with it, man. I'm really done with <laughs> I it. I haven't even seen that. I'm, I'm about to unfollow. Like I just, it, it, they actually have toned. It's not even really them. It's they're retweeting people who are tweeting like pirates. 
and it's bothering me because the bowl like like first off they said a vast e once which isn't like even a phrase i've ever heard of with pirates it was like I've a vast it. e i've heard, it. I've heard it. I'm, I'm a bucks fan so i've heard all these pirate things and they keep retweeting treasure island whatever the hell that is and it, i guess like the players are going there at some point and yeah, it's just like that's a beach which okay so you think at a beach you'll be like check out our beaches no it's arg <laughs> the beaches soon. matey and it's just like stop soon swashbucklers all this treasure will be ours <laughs> who's ready to invade treasure island for the union home mortgage gas rollable beach invasion presented by vspc on december 21st like what is that what is that i just man i, I remember it. the days when this was the bitcoin bowl um it, it, it's come along i was at the bit what did you go to the bitcoin, bitcoin bowl i did not know ucf lost to nc state in a close one my first ucf game was the uh sc state game no that's complete no yeah sc state game in 2016 you didn't go to a game until 2016 for some reason i thought you went to one in 15 no, I told you um, I was going to go to one in 2015. I was going to go to the UConn game. And you then, were committed, but you never took your business. Then I made a business decision. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I went to a basketball game instead. What was the first college football game you ever went to? I can't tell you. Okay. I think it was probably some USF game. That's, honestly. A, good point. That's a good point. Do you think at yeah. this point in life you've been to more UCF games than USF games? Oh, absolutely. Okay. I was just curious. I didn't know, I didn't know how often you went to USF games as a kid. No, I mean... Um, Anyways, <laughs> anyway, I was just curious. I was just curious. But yeah, yeah. anyway, I think UCF's going to, we'll talk about this next week. We'll do our whole preview, but yeah. that's where we're at. Um, I think UCF's going to win, but if they don't, I'm going to like just hate my life forever. Um, so, which I kind of already do, but it'll be I was just going to say, are you not, are you not already there? <laughs> Welcome to therapy man. with Christian Simmons. Man, let it all, all right, out. We'll this, jump, is, this is a safe podcast, everybody. We'll jump into the football news. Um, all right, well, the gas billable is sold out. Um, so it's one way or the other going to be a really, really fun atmosphere. Um, hopefully it's, and I, I do feel like, I think Chris Benini from The Athletic said like he would project probably 60% or more UCF fans for that game. Hopefully that's, hopefully that's right. I hope UCF <laughs> I don't know what scientific number. measurements Chris Benini was using. I mean, we'll see. I don't know either, but I just, it's in favor of UCF. So I'm inclined to agree with him. Um, more UCF and Florida stuff, except not for the gas billable. Details from the contract, um, for their three-game series have come out. Florida will, play, will pay UCF 800000 for the first game at UF and 200000 for the other game at UF. Uh, UCF will pay UF 250000 for the 2030 game in Orlando. There's a bunch of other stuff in, in terms of, like, if one team cancels, here's what's paid, all that. But we don't need to get into all that. Um, a massive weekend for UCF players in the NFL. Latavius Murray scored a touchdown for the Ravens. Mike Hughes totaled eight tackles, two forced fumbles, and a touchdown for the Chiefs. I think he just earned uh, AFC Defensive Player of the Week this week. Uh, was announced on Wednesday. Gabriel Davis made a big touchdown catch and a big fourth down catch uh, during the Bills' second half comeback against the Bucks. But then Brashad Perriman caught a game-winning 58-yard touchdown pass in overtime to beat the Bills. So UCF players all over the NFL. Um, and then in the CFL, Brandon Alexander became a back-to-back Grey Cup champion, um, which is, is really cool. Congratulations to him. And finally, we've got an announcement from former UCF linebacker Eric Gilliard, who announced he is transferring to Kansas. So he's going to be uh, over there in the Big 12 a year early. Um, so hope everything works out for him. I always, I always did enjoy watching him play. Um, Christian, I have four notable things. Yeah, I saw. I'm not happy about it. Well, hey, at least I didn't just keep the name as three and then and change it. All our listeners are gone now anyway, so you can talk for as long as you want about the notable things. All my hard work goes to waste. Yeah, I, um, I'll, sh- I'll show you the graphs and you do it anyway. It's like every time it's, it's like, well, all right, and now three notable things. Zoom, everyone's gone. <laughs> whatever. You guys need to care about other UCF sports. 
Uh, women's basketball, they won 61 to 47 at Mercer on Sunday and 68 to 56 at Seton Hall on Tuesday. They've won seven straight games and are now eight and one. They're back on the court at Iowa on Saturday. Men's basketball, they won 83 to 68 against North Carolina A&T on Saturday. We were there. We were in attendance. Sure were. Um, UCS now six and two. And after that, uh, Darren Green Jr. was named the AAC's weekly honor roll. UCS actually back on the court um, soon after we're done speaking. They play at Temple on Wednesday night. And then on Saturday, they play in the Orange Bowl Classic against Florida State. Um, a couple more. Um, softball, they announced their 2022 schedule. They've got some big tournaments. They open the season with a tournament at home uh, with Georgia, Minnesota, Fresno State, and Longwood. The next weekend, they go to St. Pete, Clearwater, Invitational, uh, games against Wisconsin, Michigan, Texas Tech, Tennessee, Texas, Florida State. They got their AAC opener on March 26th against USF and their season finale at Wichita State on May 8th. And then the fourth notable thing, baseball also announced their schedule. Uh, they've got opening night against Siena on uh, February 18th. They've got that three-game opening weekend series with Siena that they love to do. Uh, they've got a home series against Ole Miss in March, a mid, uh, midweek in-state games with Miami and Florida State. Their AAC opener is also against USF. That's on April 1st. And then they'll finish up the season on May 21st against Cincinnati at home. Um, and this was normally when I would throw it over to Christian for the uniform of the week, but we have temporarily suspended uniform of the week due to the fact that only like two teams are playing. Uh, instead, we've got a new segment alert. Christian, your tweet of the week. I want you to tweet introduce the this week. one. Yeah, so this, uh, so I've decided that uh, every week from now on until we resume uniform of the week, I'm going to shout out a tweet of the week, which was my favorite tweet that I either interacted with or was in a reply to me. Um, the original plan was to do the dumbest reply to me each week. Um, and we're still probably going to do that most weeks. And I had a couple contenders this week. Um, I'm looking at you, Rick and Matt. Uh, but I didn't realize you were going to name them. Oh, I sure will. But I, I had, I, I interacted with another a USF fan. This was at USF commenter, whose name is bullish on the bulls, who just tweeted my, what is obviously tweet of the week. People want to watch college football in Tampa. For example, UCF is more excited to play in Tampa than Orlando. The future looks good for the bulls football program. So just to recap that tweet for you. So basically what we've said on this is why it's tweet of the week is that uh, USF's football program is looking really good because UCF is about to get more fans to their stadium than they ever will. So shout out to USF on that. I'm really, I'm grateful that UCF could help them take this step to make their program better by, by UCF once again, selling out their own stadium that congrats on that. One thing, one thing that I will say about that account, and I'm saying like maybe you probably realize at this point that is simple as purely a troll account. Has to be like, has to be. They don't, everything they tweet, like it just doesn't make logical sense. Like no one would objectively look at it and be like, oh, this is a thing that somebody actually thinks. They literally tweet with the purpose of like trying to get UCF fans to respond and like interact with them. I don't know why that's something that someone has the time for or wants to do with their time. But yeah, I would just like, if I were you, I would not give them the time of day or a spot on our podcast. Well, let's go over the other two then. Okay, we're here. Uh, so, cause I also realized I said Rick and Matt and I'm like, well, if there's multiple Rick and Matt, so maybe just accidentally insulted the wrong people. Yeah. So, uh, I got a tweet from Matt at Bearcat MTA on Twitter. Um, because I tweeted about UCF and this is a Bearcat fan. If you haven't figured that out. Um, I tweeted about UCF playing Florida in the gas bro. Well, he replied to me and yet UF will still probably roll central Florida by 20 plus. That's not what wins tweet of the week for him. I then said, I can't believe since any fans have a playoff game, they're obsessed with UCF still. And he replies, Twitter thinks your tweet would be interesting to me. Otherwise, no. I've seen enough of your trash takes to not waste my time going looking for it. And, he, and yet he was in my replies. 
and replied several times after that. So Bearcat, Matt, um, focus on your own team. Um, I actually think it's really sad and I'm worried for your health that um, your team is playing a playoff game and you're wondering about how UCF's going to do in their bowl game. We're not even rivals. Go, go. Who's Cincinnati's rival? I don't know. Go worry how Louisville's doing. I don't know. West Virginia or something. I don't know. The other one was at Rick Limp, which that's an interesting Twitter name. Uh, I think this guy's a UCF fan. He tweeted me before, but I tweeted that. So Leighton Nelson, who was a going to sign today, gave an interview to the Sentinel about how he wasn't going to sign. Uh, is going to push off till February. And there were some like really nasty replies to him from UCF fans. So I tweeted, can the UCF fans tweeting bad stuff about and at recruits because you don't like their choices, please stop. And then also delete your accounts. Thanks. And Rick replied to that. It's going to be a curse word here. So be ready. He replied to me, practice what you preach. You're constantly bitching. Guess if it doesn't fit your narrative, you don't want to hear it. The hypocrisy of you people on Twitter is something else. I don't know what people. that means. You people. I got hit with the you people. I, I, I genuinely don't know what that means. What do you guess mean what these never... people like Michael Scott? <laughs> guess what I've <laughs> never done on Twitter in my entire life? Tweeted anything at a recruit ever. So I don't even know what that was about. But those are my three tweet of the week wins this week. Congrats to all of you on your tweets. You're killing it. You're the reason. What do you mean Twitter. these types of people? Michael <laughs> Scott. Also, whatever that guy was saying. Yeah, well, wow. tweet of the week, we have a three-way tie um, for, for, for the first time we're doing it, but looking forward <laughs> to doing many more. I get a lot of these every week, so it should be fun. Yeah, should be a great time. Well, yeah. with that, with that beacon of positivity and <laughs> light in our world, we love Twitter. Um, we're we're going we're gonna to hop off here and wrap things up. We'll be back next week with episode 51 uh, to preview the Gasparilla Bowl, and then stay tuned for our late-night post-game podcast after the Gasparilla Bowl um, should be coming up pretty late that night pretty early the next morning probably um, but until then you can find us on twitter at bailey j adams 22 at by ca simmons and at night sports now once again thank you guys so much for being with us and we'll talk to you next week bye everybody